Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola. I'm here with Leif Johnson. Howdy. And Jason Cross. Hello. On today's show, we'll talk about uh, WWDC 19 rumors and more. What does the future have in store for Mac OS? We'll talk about that in our feature discussion. Plus, Jason Cross will show us how to find Apple Pay locations and Apple Maps. And we'll wrap up the show with your hot takes from the Macworld social media feeds. But first, the big news story from the past week. 9to5Mac has been on a roll lately. They've been publishing a bunch of stories about what's coming up in Apple's ecosystem. Uh, they came out with a big story about changes that are happening. I, I guess more Mac-specific, what Apple could be showing at WWDC 19 in June. There are a lot of changes that are in store. This is going to be a busy WWDC, it seems like. Yeah, they published three stories, one about macOS, yeah. one about iOS 13, and one about sort of the the dev APIs and services that and, and frameworks and stuff yeah. that, that developers use that kind of hit all the devices. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that uh, it's going to happen and we're all kind of excited about is that there's going to be changes to Siri. Mm-hmm. Can you guys explain a little bit about intents and what is it called? Series intents mm-hmm. and then what's domains, domains. and intents? Domains. Yeah. Uh, domains are the categories of stuff that developers can do to tie into Siri. And this is not Siri shortcuts, which is a way of basically jumping right into an action in your app. This is like integrating your app with Siri, right. like fully, the way that you would expect, the way that sort of Apple Music and everything works with, with Siri. Domains are, are categories like messaging, CarPlay, stuff like that. And then intents are the specific commands you can give, like, you know, play this song, which isn't an intent, by the way. It only works with Apple Music. That's not something developers can tie into. So there's uh, – they they mentioned a, the 9to5 uh, Mac article. It mentioned a, non, a bunch of new intents. as For examples, there, this may not be a list of all of them, um, but there's some new – there's some new stuff coming there. And I think the most interesting part of that is not that, oh, there, there'll be some new sort of commands that developers can use, but that, that they seem to hint at new domains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the big one right now that's missing is uh, music. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a media playback intense, which makes it sound like maybe they're going to do a media domain where video and audio services can deeply tie into Siri. For example, you can ask Siri to play a show on Netflix. Netflix can't really directly tie into Siri. And if right. you do that, it opens that show in the TV app with like four Netflix and you can tap on it and directly play it. But you you can't like instantly fire into right. Netflix or anything the way that you instantly start right. an Apple Music playlist. Obviously, Spotify is a big one that everybody's waiting for, mm-hmm. Pandora or whatever. You know, you want to be able to say, play my Discover Weekly playlist, and you can't do that. Yeah, that's always been a pet peeve of mine with Siri is that there seems to be these, like, indirect, you mm-hmm. want direct action from Siri, like, right. you know, play my this. But then Siri, like, gives you a result that's not directly to that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. here's your playlist, then you have to go and activate it or something yeah. like that. And Siri does that kind of thing, and hopefully this will take it a step closer. And in you. certain domains, it's, it's really good. Uh, messaging, for example, yeah. WhatsApp and stuff like that can tie into it. And you can yeah. directly, 
manipulate things. Some of the other intents they talked about seem to be based around things like ticketing and buying tickets and stuff like that, which which seems like it could be a different domain. It might be tied into this sort of commish domain they have. But so that's kind of interesting. We always want the three things we want from series. We want it to be able to understand what we say better. We want it to be better at giving us answers, like just the general questions and stuff that you have. It gives you bad answers or it thinks you meant something else. Or, you know, I asked what year some movie came out and it's tried to show me showtimes for it. Yeah, and right. it was for, the, for a movie that's not even around anymore. So stuff like that. And then, of course, we want it to work with much more stuff. I will say, you know, we're focusing so much on the iPhone with this when we talk about Siri, but, mm -hmm. you know, the HomePod, especially since you were talking about music, you know, if that carries over to that, you know, that yeah, would right. immediately make that much more of an attractive device. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. True. For yeah. That. Yeah. They need to improve Siri if they want to be competitive in that speaker yeah. category. Uh, yeah. Especially since that's the entire way you interact right. with it. it. It needs to be better on right. every way. Yeah. There will be... Uh, a lot more iOS-born apps on the Mac. And we'll get to that. We'll talk about that a little more in our feature discussion because yeah. uh, that involves Marzipan. 9to5Mac also said that there's there will be a, improvements in AR, augmented reality. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, AR got a big improvement in iOS 12. It's getting a big improvement again. It can, they, the coolest part is they could be able to recognize human poses which would look, sort yeah. of let AR objects interact with people, real people in your environment. Right. That would be really, that's a really big step. I feel like there's something missing about AR. That there's no killer are... app, right? There's no, I got to yeah. do this. I got to have this. Right. Well, Leif came up with a list of apps earlier this week. Jason kind of pointed it out in his own where he was talking about how Apple has the, the measure app with the AR. I think AR is not going to really take off when you use it on your iPhone until Apple gets some kind of, true def sensors on the rear camera because in that way you will really be able to map out stuff in front of you and i and i think because right now it's basically you know trying to interpret it based on what it, what it's seeing right now and you know that's not as advanced as it could be whereas you know from the front facing face id is super advanced and you may have seen some of the articles i've shown where people are actually using it for 3d modeling and stuff and that's the kind of thing I think we're going to need to really see if we're going to expect AR to really take off on the phone because right now it's just kind of gimmicky and it, and it works and stuff. There's, there's an app that I showed on there, which, you know, which I think is actually the most promising app. It's the one that I show it, but you know, you can call someone. And so as I was showing on there, you were, I was looking at a PC and I could sub, you know, circle like these are the ports you need to plug into. And I could just sit there and circle it on my screen and the person could see it and go, Oh, and see, it works well enough with the camera, but if the phone was actually able to see that, you know, that object and be able to map it out, and then, you know, no matter where you moved on it, you would be able to see that, you know, circle staying on it. I think that's when we're going to have real potential for AR. And I think also uh, Apple needs to, it's not going to be the kind of thing that people kind of get and grok until right. it gets integrated into Apple's Yes, app. right, yeah. Like, into maps or notes or just just the stuff that everyone already has on their right. phone and uses all the time. Yeah, nobody's going to fire up a separate measure app to do that. It needs to be part of the things they do every day on their phone. Right. I was I was about to bring that up. The disconnect is it needs to be served to me. Mm -hmm. If I yeah. have to go into a separate app to, mm -hmm. to get an AR experience, that doesn't feel as 
urgent or it just doesn't feel feels like an option, so to speak. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to right. say. Oh, yeah, it doesn't definitely. feel like a vital feature. Exactly. Yeah. And then when but when it's served to me, like like you said, in Apple Maps and becomes then then it kind of reinforces the importance of it mm-hmm. and how vital it can be and how important it can be. So, yeah, that. I, I was going to say integrated into the iOS, into iOS or something like that, but not necessarily that. But Right. Or the camera or something, like right. just things that people do with their phone every day. There needs to be an AR experience as part of that where people say, oh, I need this tool. Yeah. I, this is something I, I want to use and yeah. I can't do this without AR and this is great. Yeah. You know? So it's just not there. And that's how Apple often does the game changer stuff mm-hmm. is they show us a really cool app that they themselves made. And like you said, it's an integrated part of the iOS or Mac OS experience. Yeah. And that you know, cascades to a lot of other things. It's kind of like I made a point in the intro of my own article that right now they're really relying on third-party apps to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not It's not a good one. A lot of these apps are really rough. They don't have that Apple elegance and stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just like notes. You know, it gives you a real idea. I mean, I don't think that's the best note-taking app, but it really, right from the beginning, shows you what the Apple Pencil can do exactly. and stuff. And it's yeah. like a springboard, and it needs... A really good springboard measure just doesn't do it. Apple also plans uh, some improvements to NFC and to haptics and machine learning, which seems kind of like big pie in the sky ideas, but maybe for the user. What what does that mean for the user? Yeah, I mean, the NFC stuff is just um, the tools that developers use to access NFC on the phone can only read one type of tag format, NFC tags. And it's going to support uh, a few other types, um, including an ISO type that's really common and a couple of type that's really common in Japan and stuff. Um, so that just means that if any of these apps that, you know, you tap your phone to a thing and it does something, they'll be able to work with a lot more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this doesn't mean it's going to magically happen. Someone has to make the app, but you can make it like the key cards we have to get into our offices here and stuff like that. Like somebody could make an app that is that key card on your phone, oh, wow. but it would have to, it has to fit what our key cards, key cards data format is. And uh, Apple's just expanding that support from the NDA, NDEF format to the other formats as well. So that's, you're just going to have more useful NFC apps. The machine learning stuff is just, they have core ML now, which lets yeah. developers do machine learning stuff. They're just going to make it right now. You have to train your neural net stuff outside Upload that that program essentially that neural net uh, decision to your to your phone and then it's static. You know you you just run that machine learning program. This is they're just going to let people train it on the device, which is kind of cool. Uh, and the haptic stuff is is actually the thing that's probably going to be used the most by developers, especially game developers and stuff. Because right now you have that awesome haptic engine. Like iPhones have the best vibration and haptic haptic feedback of like any phone mm-hmm. <laughs> third-party developers can't do much with it they, they basically have very rough controls compared to what apple does and they're just going to give them a bunch more controls to control that haptic engine so you're going to get all kinds of cool haptic feedback in apps when they do that yeah, yeah when they pull it off it's you know when apple does it itself it's just amazing it took me yeah. a while to convince my dad that like the iPhone 8 doesn't actually have. A it's one of those button. weird things <laughs> that when you start, you go from an, a modern iPhone to an a, a yeah. other phone, yeah. you're like, how come I can't feel myself like touch the screen? Like, how oh, come it's, it's not feeling like a button a press or whatever? Yeah. You know, you just it feels bad. Why does it feel bad? Yeah. It's because they don't have that really like sort of high resolution haptic feedback. 
So those are some of the new features. There was also, I think we talked about this uh, a little bit last week about some of the changes that are going to happen that are iPad specific, like a dark mode, oh, yeah. new gestures, multi-window apps. D- dark mode might be not just iPad. That might be all, all of iOS. Yeah, that's all of iOS. But I yeah, think it's going to be. But I'm there's some to... multi-window stuff, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's in addition to some of the stuff other stuff that's going on no word yet on the big one that people want which is on ipad pros letting that usb c port read drives yes Mm. like not just pull in the same photos media that they've always been and videos that they've always been able to do but actually read it in the files app and just grab a file yeah wasn't there you know it was interesting last week i believe it was a steve charlton smith and federico vaticci they were talking about that there was an accessibility thing coming that will be, I guess, probably related to Marzipan, but it will allow you to use a USB-C mouse mm-hmm. with your iPad Pro, and that's what it looks like, but, you know, it was seemed it? like it was just speculation with Vitici, but Steve Charlton Smith kind of... I, th- I think Vitici yeah. was on a podcast yes. and, yeah. said, and mentioned... Yeah. And then he said that there was some truth to it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just USB-C or if it'd also be uh, Bluetooth, but they mm-hmm. did say, right. they'll, as an accessibility feature, mouse support on which makes sense because UIKit has to support mouse on mm-hmm. the Mac. So mm-hmm. to kind of extend that to – and I think a lot of like the really hardcore pro Mac – I mean Mac, iPad users are going to instantly go dive into that accessibility yeah. settings and go turn that on. I mean this is big. I mean – It is. You know, and you know, we've been talking, kind of talking about low-key stuff here with Marzipan. And this is going to f- come into our later discussion. I probably mm-hmm. should save it for that. In my own reviews, in my own articles, I've often criticized that the iPad Pro is powerful and everything, but, you know, it doesn't really replace your Mac. And little features like this combined with, you know, being able to use these different apps, you know, possible mouse support. Uh, the more I hear about this stuff, it, like I said, it seems kind of low-key. The more I'm excited about this year, I think mm-hmm. iOS 13, Marzipan, all this, we, we I think we've been acting like this is going to be kind of like a quiet year, but no, this, this could no, be No, I big expect change. big things. I yeah. expect big yeah design and visual changes which we haven't heard much about Mm -hmm. and all of this under the hood stuff sounds really exciting to me because it's it all sort of fits under this umbrella of apple kind of embracing connecting to other stuff more Mm -hmm. and making all of its own stuff work together better which is awesome that makes the ecosystem even more powerful. It's, yeah. If this comes into play, there is very good reason to get both a Mac and, you know, an iPad and, and an iPhone because, you know, it all works beautifully together in a way, you know, already does a good job now, but mm-hmm. in the future, HomePod, yeah. in the future, wow. Yeah. Well, that seems like a good jumping off point to our feature discussion right. that we're going to talk about. iOS apps on the Mac. We keep saying Marzipan, and for those who don't know, that's supposedly the codename of the sort of uh, project that – I shouldn't say supposedly. uh, Apple's come out and said it, but this is the sort of project that they have to take the development framework for – interface development framework from iOS, which is called UIKit, and let it run on the Mac – because the Mac, you had to, to develop Mac apps, you had to use a, a different framework called AppKit. So they're trying to say UIKit apps can run on the Mac. Apple's dogfooding this themselves with their own apps, with stocks, yeah. news, mm-hmm. uh, right? what am uh, I forgetting? Voice, voice memos. Voice memos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one other. 
home. Uh, home. Yeah. Right. So that's they started off by not maps, that. interestingly yet. Not maps. Still a different so, maps app. Yeah. So they're starting it themselves then and they said this year they're gonna open it up for developers to do. Apparently that will come this fall with the new OSs, which we kind of expected. Yeah. You know, so that wasn't gonna be a little update. Um and the the rumors are that it's gonna be super easy. It's like just like when you go into Xcode and you check iPad to make your work, your iOS work on it, you'll also just check Mac and it'll be ready to go. I don't think it's that simple. I mean, third-party dependencies on libraries you may have, right. you know, you're going to have to, only certain things will work that way. But if it's easy, you're going to see a lot, a lot of iOS apps on the Mac very quickly. And like we were, I think we were saying this earlier, but there'll there'll also be APIs that makes it, you know, when you transfer something to Mac, like you know, they'll, they'll be able to access the Touch Bar and yeah. stuff like that. So they'll be because I don't want, you know, just to, you know, oh here's this iOS app ported to the Mac because it's not going to be optimally usable. Yeah, so. we don't want it to look like an emulator. Right. We want yeah. it to look like a Mac app, and and they're so they're expanding this Marzipan thing, like you said, to let it use Mac specific features like the the title bar, yeah. not, not the title yeah. bar, the menu bar. Uh, and and the touch bar and stuff like yeah. that. Let let them do Mac things on the Mac, but resizable windows and right. multiple windows and you know yeah iOS apps having multiple windows is a big big thing. Everybody said, well yeah this is great, but I need to be able to open three yeah. windows and I can't do that. So interesting thing I think have happened that's happened in recent years is that a lot of the really cool useful apps we're seeing more on iOS rather than macOS. Totally. Yeah, and to give you an idea, there's an app that I use for outlining called CardFlow, and it's it's an iPad app, and basically it's like using index cards, you know, how in the old way you would put them on the table and move them around, and my mind works really well that way, but it's only on iPad, and I so wish that I could use the stuff that I outline on there, you know, and open it up in a new window on my Mac, and then write up the article that way. This sounds like that would allow that to happen, and that gives you an idea of the power and potential behind that, these innovative iPad apps coming over to the Mac. And it's, I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. I mean, uh, Jason Snell wrote an article that we just put up today uh, about that very thing about how the Mac looks like it's becoming more like an iPad. And he's actually kind of as yeah. much of a Mac, he's like a Mac super fan, like, <laughs> like since day yeah. one, super I fan. I was a Mac super man, fan. He is. A yeah. Mac he's super like fan. the Mac super fan. And, and lately because he's been using his iPad pro so much, yeah. he's, he's doing stuff on the Mac that we've all thought of as core to the Mac experience, like mess around with files and finder and stuff. And he's just like, this is kind of busy work. Right. I can get right why down do we to need to do this. Anymore? Yeah. Why do we do this again? Yeah. Like I can get right down to what I'm doing on an yeah. iPad. So this meeting in the middle sounds like a great idea. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it would be bad if they just let the Mac run iPad apps, but if they let the Mac run iPad apps and they make those apps capable of taking advantage of the things that make a Mac a Mac, mm-hmm. now we're into something really good. And I personally think this is the strongest selling point for Macs that Apple would have had in more than a decade. I agree. I totally agree. Like, because everybody knows iPhones and iPads, especially iPhones, outsell Macs like 20, 30 to 1, something like that, something ridiculous. There's all these iPhone users. And if you can, if Apple can make a commercial, a TV commercial that shows a Mac running people's favorite iPhone apps. <laughs> And just like seamlessly, the thing you were doing on your iPhone, you open your Mac and it's there and stuff. People will go bonkers. People will like, well, what computer would I ever, why would I buy any other computer ever? 
I think the closest Apple came to just flat out announcing it was when they did the Apple Arcade announcement. Yeah. Because buried in that, they said that these these uh, apps would be able these games would be able to work on both iOS and macOS. That's a pretty big undertaking for and a game. TVOS. And so that uh, you know that suggests that basically when iOS 13 macOS come come out, you know we're going to see this with a lot of apps. So that that was yeah. basically almost like the here it is, y'all. And it's coming in the fall, so that you know when macOS and iOS will drop. So that's uh, or the summer, but that that gives you an idea of where we're heading. And I think the fact that you know, as they say, like a hundred games will easily be able yeah. to make that transition. That that says everything. A lot of good things about the rest of the apps too. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably going to be there because they're these are unique new games for them. They're probably. Things like games are going to be the hardest ones to port in the sense that games rely on a lot of third-party right. libraries. Mm-hmm. So Apple's probably going like, well, they, your game has to be written for Metal, not OpenGL, right. because OpenGL on the Mac and OpenGL ES on the iPhone are like, it's such a subset and you can't, yeah. it's, you know. So there's probably all these boundaries to make it work right. But just the idea that any a game developer, and of course the engine guys are going to be all over this, Unity and, and Unreal and oh, all yeah. the guys who make they're going to be like, we're making it a checkbox in our thing too. It will compile to metal. We'll make sure it runs on and it does all the right things to be a Mac app too. I just hope we don't have to buy them all separately. Oh, the store stuff. (laughs) They need to work out the store stuff so that I can buy my app and have it. Yeah. That's one thing that Apple hasn't addressed is, and you know, they, they can't address it now, of course, but maybe they probably even, won't do it during WWDC, but Maybe, there is yeah. this idea of what does that mean in terms of when I'm when I buy an app now? I'm, you yeah. know, is the price going to go up because I'm buying one app that essentially runs on multiple platforms? Or I'd even be a little more okay with that as long as I can buy one right. app that runs on multiple platforms. Yeah, I need to be able one to open all, that yeah. Mac the Mac App Store mm-hmm. and see all those UI Kit apps that will also run on my iPhone and, yeah. and be able to buy one right. Well, that brings up a good point. I mean, what if these things get really expensive? Because we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. Like Fantastical 2 costs like $50 on the Mac App Store, but it's <laughs> yeah. like 9 bucks, 10 bucks on the iOS. And so it's basically the same app and, uh, mm-hmm. and the way it performs. And Things uh, things 3 is the same way. <laughs> yeah, Things 3 is like that. And uh, Things 3 is probably a good example. They need to just give developers the freedom to choose what they want to do. Yes. Like right now, I could publish an, an app on the iPhone and also give people the iPad app yes, and yeah. at one price. Or I could have separate iPad and iPhone apps yeah. and charge for them separately like Things 3 does. And uh, and as long as they just add add the Mac into that, you know, yeah. buy one and get them all, have a separate version, whatever you want to do as a developer, just make our store support that. Yes. Dan Morin wrote a column a couple weeks ago. It, it was more addressing the rumors of iTunes being broken up. Mm-hmm. But and one of the things he was concerned about is if iTunes on the Mac is broken up into separate podcast music, you know, video apps. Right. Will you still have some of the features that are found on the Mac, but they're not found on iOS? Because right. does that mean, you know, it depends Cross on how Apple and all that stuff. right? Does it mean is Apple simply going to be using Marzipan to bring the iOS apps over to the Mac, or are those individual apps being rewritten? Based upon the features that were available on iTunes, does that make sense? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They're rewritten from scratch in order to keep support of those features and smart playlists. And yeah, stuff. 
Dan talks about that specifically about iTunes, but I think there, there might even be a, an issue in, just in terms of software in general for people who do, for developers who do offer an iOS and a macOS app. And sometimes the macOS app, because of the nature of the platform, right. has more features. Are developers still going to be able to maintain those features if they decide to use Marzipan because it's an easier way to develop software? Yeah. I would think so, but I think it's more work. Just, yeah. just yes. like if you haven't, uh, you can make an app now that does things on the iPad that doesn't do on the iPhone. Right. Because of the split window and all right. that other kind of stuff. Um, so if Fantastical is going to use Marzipan, as long as they have that that framework to be able to access that menu bar, to be able to put that calendar thing yeah. in my menu bar, you know, uh, they could do that. They could just say, well, when you're on the Mac, it's going to do this. Yeah. When you're... The key thing is just being able to have it, um, being able to have that similarity and have all your data mm-hmm. synced right. up, right. you know. That's that's core for me. Yeah. Some guys like Fantastical and like things and stuff are doing such a good job of that now. Hopefully, Mars of Hand just makes it that much easier for well, everybody yeah, else yes. to reach the the standards of these great apps. Because right. we we joke about how expensive they are. Mm-hmm. They're really good though. Yes. <laughs> They're they really the great money. apps. Yeah. They're really good apps. Right. If anything. I'm going to take a contrarian view and say apps might get cheaper mm-hmm. because the reason they're cheap on the iPhone is because of the scale. Mm-hmm. It's because it's yes. a billion people and you can amortize the cost of all your development yeah. stuff over mm-hmm. like you've got a big market to address. Now, now if your one app addresses the market of Mac, iPad and iPhone. Right. Maybe now you just you can you can have at least that iPhone affordable version. You can afford to have that everywhere. Yeah, yeah. A way that, you know, some apps have, you know, solved this is like Ulysses, which is what I used to write with a lot, and they've gone to a subscription model. Mm-hmm. Its main competitor, IA Writer, still has it where you buy outright, but Ulysses, which is a little bit more powerful, um, goes by subscription. I believe it's four ninety nine a month. Now, obviously, that adds up, but, uh, you know, I actually think it's worth it, and so that's a way to get all the money, you know, yeah. without. Uh, you know. Yeah, that's my worry is that everyone's going to go to a subscription model. Yeah. And, and some things really uh, justify it because as you use it, there's ongoing costs. Mm-hmm. Right. Things like uh, certain weather apps that they they need to charge. They get charged money as they pull data. So the more you right. use this weather app, the more money they're getting charged. And if you just pay two ninety nine once and you use this weather app every day, uh, you're going to end up costing them money after yeah. six months and forever after. So I get that. But then when it, when an app doesn't have any ongoing costs, when it's saving your data on iCloud, when it doesn't have anything other than its development cost, mm-hmm. um, then, yeah, the, the subscription model's weird to me. Yeah, I almost want to go back to just let me buy upgrades. Yes, just, right. I, I get that you need to keep working on the app and making it better, Package that up in a yearly upgrade and let me pay you another two ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, and that has been really controversial with Ulysses. It is, mm-hmm. and and with a lot of apps, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can see this model actually it gets developers to start adapting the mm-hmm. subscription model more because it's just an easier way to. Do you think that this pricing. is a? Do you think that this um, that the the end game for this is for Apple to do Apple Arcade for uh, for non game apps? Oh, like yeah. basically, mm-hmm. we already have that on the Mac. There's already these sort of subscription app services that just give you like the codes for the apps. Mm-hmm. They're bundles of apps and they keep adding stuff to them. And they're small because they're these third party things and stuff like that. But if Apple did this, 
for 10 bucks a month on the scale of all of their platforms right together for non-game apps and you paid 10 or 15 dollars a month and there were hundreds of apps all built into this thing yeah i was thinking if as time goes on is there a need for a separate ios and mac os App Store. App Store. See, that's what I was thinking earlier. Yeah, now. but I didn't take it to the next step like you did. Yeah, that's essentially the model of Apple Arcade. Yeah, right. I think it, yeah. The thing I is, I don't use a lot of productivity. I mean, well, you know, I have Photoshop and Lightroom, but that's a separate Adobe mm-hmm. subscription, which I think it will always be. Yeah. And uh, but other than that, it's basically just writing apps, which you know, it's Ulysses and IA Writer, and through work we use Word, uh, Microsoft Office. Yeah. So. A couple of utilities here and there that I, I really want to buy once and be done with things yeah. like itsy cal and stuff i would see myself being harder pressed to buy like a productivity suite subscription than uh than apple arcade yeah. well you pay five bucks for a writing app mm-hmm. would you pay an additional five bucks a month for that writing app as part of a suite of 300 or 400 other productivity apps <laughs> this sounds that so you bad may not... but i'd have to see the rest <laughs> right that, that you may or may not use but like yes. you know if then if an ever expanding group of apps then Yes. Maybe the idea is it gets people to try apps they wouldn't otherwise buy because yeah. they're already part of the subscription. That's that's the idea with the gaming thing. Especially if it keeps your info in iCloud and stuff. Like if mm-hmm. you let your subscription go and six months from now I decide I want to use it again. Oh, good. There's my files. They're still there. And that, yeah. that would be a really good. Of course, it's kind of like that already. But yeah. yeah. So that's a lot to look forward to this June. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Marzipan. And, and we haven't even touched on harm. I mean. No, we we expect <laughs> if if there's going to be a Mac Pro announcement that WWC right. would be the place. I mean, there's there's other exciting stuff. I this is going to be mm-hmm. at least a 90 minute keynote. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be packed. It's going to be one of the more packed keynotes that we've had over recent keynotes. Yeah. So considering all the software and then all the hardware. Right. Which we haven't even like brushed on yet, which we could do in a future show. I'm amazed we haven't really seen any leaks at all of the design of the Mac Pro. If Nothing. Yeah. Yes. If yeah. They're keeping a tight lid on that. That's pretty- <laughs> or, or it's still like a year out, exactly. which worries me. Yes. I mean, usually by now you would have had some kind of, you know, dubious schematic off of the assembly line or something like that. I think right. people might be leaning... Every time I hear people mention it, they call it like the modular Mac Pro, and they're expecting to snap in all these modules and change. I think, I think people may be overestimating how modular. It yeah. Would be. Right. Totally. Upgradable is a better word. Yeah. And maybe even upgradable to a point, like yeah. maybe the GPU and the storage and the RAM, but not the CPU and not like any other thing you want. Yeah, I've always thought of it as it won't be the tower mac pro that we all remember right cheese greater mac pro exactly but that kind of when it, when apple thinks about modularity that's what they they think about you know or, or upgradability yeah. that's what they're approaching yeah i, I kind of think it's going to be less upgradable than that was but way more than the the trash can right. version they have now or an imac or something right well, yeah. especially with their big focus on eGPU and stuff i think mm-hmm. video editors and graphic designers and gamers are going to be really annoyed if you just can't like plug a vega into that into the card slot cuz yeah. I, I think that's what everybody's hoping for and i hope it goes beyond what you're saying like you know technically you can upgrade an imac and stuff but it's a pain and yeah. it gets expensive and it's annoying so I think a lot of people will be mad if it's it's something like that. I think people are going to be mad that it's not like a 
I can take the cooler off and put in right. a different it's CPU. Exactly. I can go to the store and buy any graphics right. card and slap it in the PCIe slot. Like, I think it's not necessarily going to be that, and I think yeah. people are going to be mad about it. Yeah. yeah, people will be mad about it. And the thing is... It doesn't mean it's bad. I'm not making no, a value judgment. No, no, no. It's just... That's not Apple, though. Right. Uh, that's not Apple's MO. If you know Apple's MO, they, they won't go there. Mm -hmm. So Even the know. cheese grater Mac, you had to buy special graphics cards. Right. Like Apple <laughs> graphics cards that were like right. had slightly different BIOSes on them, and they were yeah. tested to certain power and thermal limits and stuff so that you could safely just plug it in there and know it's going to work. And right. Maybe they'll do something like that. But that just doesn't seem like Apple these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think – what you can reasonably expect is, oh, if I want to put in another hard drive, if I want to add RAM, I don't have to, like, break out a spudger and some soldering <laughs> heat stuff. Gun. Yeah, and a heat gun and stuff. I can just do this with a screwdriver or maybe some yeah. pull tabs, and, and I'm good to go. And it better not cost a zillion dollars. It like will so <laughs> cost a zillion dollars. <laughs> you know it's going to cost a zillion dollars. zillion dollar product. <laughs> You know that's going to be expensive. Yeah, it's going to, yeah. So, Apple has no problem. I would so love them products. to make a desktop computer that's not not the Mac Mini, like yeah. a regular desktop computer with no monitors, like a regular thing yeah. that's like a mid-priced price, $1,500 thing, right. like a regular thing, and then a pro version of that. But that's totally not what's going to happen at all. No, that's uh, not going to happen. I mean, you know, in, in their favor, as far as making good stuff, it's like we still have, you know, the trash can Mac Pro here. Mm -hmm. And from 2011, and it still performs pretty decently in benchmarks. So yeah, compared CPU to modern stuff, stuff is great. Yeah. yeah. It's just graphics that it's, it's held yeah, back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think in the past, Apple kind of undervalued graphics performance. Yeah, so not anymore. Do, but they don't do that anymore. So, And definitely not on mobile. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Fast yeah. mobile graphics yeah. performance. So looking forward to June. That's actually not that far away. No, it's yeah. coming so up quick. It's coming up quick. Good. Gives us something so, to write about. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure the rumors will start percolating even more. So uh, Then yeah. we get the fun part of like six months of running iOS betas. <laughs> <laughs> and like talking about right. like as new features drop in and bugs break everyone's yeah. phone and stuff. That's yeah. it's always the exciting time yeah. of the year. <laughs> so now it's time for our two-minute tip. On this part of the show, a Macworld staffer will present a quick tip for your Apple device. This week, Jason has a tip that involves the iPhone. So what do you have for us, Jason? A lot of people want to know if a store takes Apple Pay before they go, right? Because yeah. you don't you want to be that idiot waving your phone around <laughs> at the register, you know, going like, how come it, oh, it doesn't take, you know, and especially since the Apple card's coming out and that 2% that cashback's only if you pay with Apple Pay. Sure. It's going to be good to know, but um, you can actually do this right in Apple Maps. All you have to do is open Apple Maps on your phone, uh, your iPhone or uh, iPad, tap on the, you know, search for, find, whatever, tap on the place you want to go. And the little info card that appears on the screen, drag it up until you get to that useful to know section. And that'll show things like if it's kid friendly and stuff like that. Uh -huh. You'll see a little Apple Pay logo in that section if it takes Apple Pay. And if you don't cool. see that logo, they don't. Mm. Uh, on the Mac, it's similar. You open the Maps app. When you click on something, you'll get a tiny little like bubble pop up. You have to l yeah. hit that little I info button, and then you get the big card, and you can scroll to the useful to know section. I've been doing this for everywhere I go for the last few months <laughs> just to check because yeah. I'm trying to use Apple Pay more. I'm trying to figure out how useful, how broadly accepted it really is. 
and it has been accurate every time. Oh, that's cool. good. There was one exception. Did where you check it with JC Penny? I didn't. I didn't go. No, to right. I haven't been to JC Penny. <laughs> if you can find one, that's yeah. open. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my anybody burn. Yeah. Uh, my friend, my friend did this uh, with Target a couple months ago, right after Target announced mm. they were taking Apple Pay, and it said Apple Pay on the on his iPhone, but they hadn't rolled it out to that specific store yet. Like they hadn't updated that store's point of sale service. Mm. So that's kind of the only time it's. It could be inaccurate for you as if like some big chain says we're doing this and maybe right. all the chain locations get updated on maps, but that specific location hasn't, hasn't gone to Other than that, that, little mom and pop places, big places, restaurants, retailers, everything's been accurate about whether they take Apple Pay That's or cool. not. I've always been someone who prefers to use cash, mm-hmm. but recently I've been using Apple Pay more, mostly because... A lot of the food trucks here in San yes. Francisco don't accept cash. Right. Blue bottle coffee stop. They only allow, uh, you know, like mobile payments now. Yeah. yeah. More and more retailers are starting to be. They all have those square readers. Cashless, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Yep. And so I've been using Apple Pay more and I, I'm liking it. Yeah, I like it too much. That's the thing about cash is it keeps you from overspending. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. Why when you I count out cash. that money, you know what you're spending. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because it's the way, I, the way I manage my money is, is yeah. through cash. That's why I like Apple Pay is because it is that convenience factor of I'm not digging out my – my phone's already usually my hand yeah. anyway. But I'm, I'm not digging out my credit card. I'm not swiping. They're not getting my credit card number. So when yeah. they get hacked, I'm not losing anything. So mm-hmm. the security angle is there. And I just like having that list of all my purchases in my wallet app and everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I'm being tracked less, you know. It's yeah. my financial institution's not tracking me because they just get that authorization token. Uh, well, yeah, that, that was another that. reason why I liked using cash. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like you don't tracked. need to know what I'm buying. Right. Unless you, you take fingerprints to... off this dollar bill, right. you're not going to know. So. But that's a really good tip. Thanks for that tip. If you want more details on how to use Apple Maps to find retailers that take Apple Pay, we got a link in the show notes, and you can find that article on Macworld.com. Now it's time for Reader Hot Takes. This is where we peruse the Macworld social media feeds, and we find comments posted by you, the reader, Mostly in reaction to articles that we posted, sometimes an interesting reaction to what's happening in the news in general. We recently posted an article on a watchOS wish list. These are features we'd like to see on watchOS. And uh, we got a response from at the author guy on Twitter. This is Christopher Moore, who's actually a established author. He's written several novels. He's a yeah. New York Times bestselling uh, novelist. Yeah. So are, are you familiar with Christopher Moore? I know the name. I know the name, too. I, I don't read a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> I feel embarrassed as a writer to say I don't read a lot of books, yeah. but I don't read a lot of I books. I don't read a lot. Of, my, my New Year's resolution was to read one book a month. Yeah. And I'm actually a book ahead of that. So hey. I might have to try reading a novel by Christopher Moore for my next novel. I read a lot of articles, but as far as books, I'm not yeah. as yeah. used to it. Yeah. But uh, his response was, one, battery life. Two, battery life. He goes on to number six saying battery life. So I, I picked this comment mostly because that feature is actually more of a feature of hardware. You can get software mm-hmm. to help manage your battery life. Yeah. But it's more of a feature of hardware. But he's not wrong. He's not, <laughs> he's not wrong. wrong. Yeah. Exactly. He's not wrong. Yeah. So. When you compare Apple Watch to Fitbit, Versa, yeah. or some other smartwatch like that, I mean, they have like 
week-long battery life. Yeah. Apple Watch has day and a half, maybe. Right. You know, and but unfortunately, I mean, that's that's a result of the processors and stuff that they put in the Apple Watch compared to it's the doing that's so powerful. It's doing yeah. a lot more, yeah. and and the radios and stuff, and it's not. You could get a little more battery life with a better OS. You're not going to yeah. get a. It's not going to go to a week or <laughs> or three days or something, like ten percent more maybe. But it's yeah, and that's not going to yeah. get you what you want. In the Apple Watch's defense, you know, I, I like that it doesn't take that long to charge it. Uh, yeah, usually, taking true. a shower, you know, I, I put it on a charger when I'm in a shower, mm-hmm. and that's usually enough to get about at least a seventy five percent charge out of it. And, yeah. Uh, so that that's impressive, but I have to admit I haven't been wearing my. I'm wearing it today, but I haven't been wearing it a lot because I'll put it on and it's like oh it's like at twenty percent or something like that. <laughs> so and I don't you know it's not worth it. And so, but yeah, I I'd like to see that myself. The thing is, you have to be mindful of it. Yes. You know, instead of just going to hop to the shower, now you have this additional step of charging your watch before you hop in the shower and doesn't mm-hmm. you know. It's, yeah, it's either part of your daily routine right. or you forget about it and then it doesn't have enough charge and then you get it. Right. So it either needs to be like a week where like once a week you're just like, oh, it's low. I'm going to charge it yeah. and then I'm good. I can forget about it again. Or you can never forget about it and you right. always have to do it. Yeah. Or you can be like me. You, you basically charge it whenever you're just sitting at your desk. Yeah. <laughs> then you're, <laughs> you're not wearing it. Way. Right. Then you're not wearing it. But it's always at 100% because it's yeah. always Not getting those stand hours I, in. I can't do that because I, I – my number one Apple Watch feature of all the many things I love about it is that it unlocks my Mac. Yes, oh. that's a big one. I always lock my Mac when I get up just as a habit. I hit that control command Q just which yeah. just hits the lock screen, you know, and then uh, it's it's gotten to be where I do it without thinking about it. I just hit those keys mm-hmm. and then when I come back. See, I don't do that, so that's that's not a, a problem. It, it's yeah. a big feature. Yeah, I, that's the main reason I love my Apple Watch. It's sad, but yeah. <laughs> Our next comment actually comes from three readers. It's in response to the rumors of a triple lens camera on the next iPhone. Uh, Several sites reported on this rumor. It's been reported in the past, but what happened was I think a few iPhone case manufacturers Mm -hmm. have come out with models of what this next iPhone could possibly look like. And so basically they're they're showing what how the three cameras are going to be implemented on the iPhone, and it's essentially yeah. like a big square. Big ugly square. It's so ugly. It yeah. is. I don't like it. So I'm hoping that's wrong. If it's really, <laughs> if the bump is really shallow or gone, it would actually. If the bump is gone, it would look great. Yeah. With the, in that, in that setup. But if yeah. it was really shallow, maybe. But it's. I don't like it. At next fear. Uh, on Twitter said, no thank you. While I like Apple's features and my watch, I'd rather a Galaxy S10 with the whole punch design over this. That's not unique or fashionable in the least. That's just darn ugly. So I'm wondering, time to skip or switch? You know, saying the Galaxy thing, I I, I mean, I don't disrespect Android or Android. Those ones are always ugly to me. I mean, mean, the whole punch has nothing to do with the rear cameras. No. Uh, But... Yeah. His comment seems like a lot of people see, have seen those mock-ups and yeah. they're like, ew. We're like it seems that, weird uh, to me that Apple's going to do something <laughs> where you look at it and go, Ugh. That's too non-Apple. That's, yeah. I can't see yeah. them doing that. I, I hope not. On the other hand, if that camera is amazing, mm-hmm. right? nobody's going to care. <laughs> right. People will buy their ugly That's phone true. and it'll become like a point of pride. It'll become this yeah. thing. Here's the, uh, here's the other side of that. It used to be that you could tell who had an iPhone because iPhone's camera bump was unique, right. like the location and right. size of the camera and you would be able to see it. 
And this is like any person who just sees you using your your phone on the street, they're going to see that big square in the yeah. corner and they're going to go like, oh, they have the new iPhone. It's almost like a, a type of branding. It almost yeah. is like a type of yeah. branding. And yeah. well, uh, see, along those lines, I've been trying to think everybody hated the notch at first and yep. you know, people say, but we got used to that and maybe we yeah. can get used Everyone to a ridiculous big, you know, <laughs> camera yeah. thing on the back. Honestly, I'm always looking at the front of my phone. I don't care that much. I tried to think about but, that too, but, but your point about recognizing it is too. And yeah, be like, Ooh, it it's does a make it. Square. It does exactly. It does make it easily recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's not so crazy. Yeah, I still like it. Uh, at Arthur Ochoa responded, "Don't do it. This prototype is not looking good." At Rafalco eighty one said, "Triple." So they just ran out of stuff to do. Those Gillette, you know, five razors. I really like that. So it actually turned out to be really good. So maybe more is better. Well, Apple's always going to try to improve the camera. Yeah. And, and they need to be doing more to do it because that's what everybody else is. Oh, look how good our camera is. Yeah, everybody else has the, the high, high-end Android cameras have gone to a third right. rear camera. Yeah. Um, a super wide angle usually. Yeah, and the fact that every mobile carrier is trying to improve their camera it makes it a little more difficult to try and find a way to implement a new feature that stands out or different from the rest. And since so much of the camera, your, your photo and video quality on phones now is based on sort of uh, stuff they've done with machine learning right. to combine a bunch of exposures and stuff, literally having another sensor with another lens on there just elevates that so much. Yes. Your ability to take a good photo, even if you're not necessarily going to take a super wide photo or something like that. Yeah. So it just gives them that much. It's all about how, how much different data you can pull in in the time it takes you to snap yeah. a picture. I don't know if that's how Apple will implement their three lens camera. I mean, how many times have we seen that? Yeah, these case makers have been wrong before. Right. Case makers always come out with these prototypes and we never really know what they're based off of. Right. They're, they're, they're not actually based off of Actual information. Right. It used to be. Apple. It used to be they yeah. kind of got like a CAD of like the overall exterior shape so yeah. that they can. And and I think certain case makers maybe still do. Right. But not this early. Yeah. Not, not like yeah. <laughs> the phone comes out in September and it's it's May. Yeah. And, you know, probably not. There's a lot of case makers that guess based yeah. on other stuff just to try and get their stuff out early. I could right. definitely see this be like a working prototype, but as far as the last one that we're going to have. Yeah. Well, the rumor was they were doing two setups as prototypes. Mm -hmm. They were prototyping this square thing and they were prototyping like a, like a horizontal pill shape in the middle. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they had both phones as working prototypes and they were going to see, I guess, what works out better, what people like. I don't know yeah. what the point of doing that with both. So I hold out hope that Apple won't make this stupid, ugly, big square. <laughs> Yeah, I still do, but I do want three cameras. I'd rather have the here's here's a question for you guys: Would you rather have three cameras if it means that big ugly square, or two cameras but it's not a big ugly square? Ugly square. I, yeah, me I too. want better <laughs> pictures, so I'll take the ugly square. Yeah, I'll yeah. take the ugly square. The ugly square doesn't bother me that as much. I want better pictures. Yeah. So one of the big issues I have with that with the Apple camera is that is motion blur. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was at an event the other night and i was trying to take pictures there was a lot of movement it was a dance uh event and i was trying to take pictures and 
half of them were no good because it was just motion blur because the camera's not just not fast enough to right to catch to catch it has that to take motion. multiple exposures to do low light. Right. It's that yeah right. And I and I wish the camera would could do that handle that kind of yeah performance. And that is the trickiest thing for those small sensors. That's every right. mobile phone struggles with that compared to a real, like right. quote unquote, real camera. Yeah. They're real cameras, yeah. but you know that has a big sensor. Right. Get all that light yeah. you can take. But I don't want to carry a big camera. No, yeah, right. That's the thing. Yeah. And you can run an app that lets you gives you shutter control speed and like set your shutter to one one hundredth of a second or something and try and keep dancers from being blurry. But then it's going to be super dark. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 648. I'd like to thank Leif Johnson. Thank you. I'd like to thank Jason Cross. Thanks. And I'd like to thank you, the audience. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes through SoundCloud.com or on Spotify. Have any comments or questions, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter, which is at Macworld, or on Facebook. Join us next week as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next week.